back to Beyond the 18, a podcast where we talk tactics and break down the biggest games. I'm Patrick Duffy, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Rodrigo Plaza. How are you doing this week, Rod? I'm, I'm good, Duffy. I was, I was intrigued to see what we would come up with for our, for our international break episode. Um, and I, I'm excited. I'm excited about today's show. I think it's going to be an interesting one. I'm definitely going to be shooting from the hip today. So just, you know, be ready to catch those flying bullets if you see them coming. I had a coach when I was still exercising frequently and rowing who once described me as having wide childbirthing hips. So I'm very knowledgeable with working with the hips, shooting from them. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. I'm excited to do something a little different. So yes. listener, this is, this is the episode you neither asked for wanted or really needed but we're given to you and the one that we probably really didn't prepare for (laughs) um well didn't did it we didn't we didn't we we're gonna start out doing some predictions for uh where we think the premier league is gonna look uh at the next international break so for those of you who were asleep for the past week the premier league was absent they're on international break about a zillion players got COVID. There's zero reason to be playing these games. It was uh, super reckless, but still happened anyway. But there were no Premier League fixtures, so instead this week we're going to look forward to the next break and try to predict the table. We ran a whole bunch of simulations. We both have been working rigorously on our statistical models. Uh, the accuracy is going to be off the charts. Um, so come back to this episode at the end of week 18 just to be shocked by our brilliance, our big brain. <laughs> the models have been looking really good. I'm not going to lie. It might have just been me playing FIFA on uh, career mode for a few days, but honestly, why reinvent the wheel, you know? <laughs> Speaking of looking really good, listener, I wish you could see Rodrigo's beard in the crisp California sun right now. It looks absolutely delicious. Not delicious. We're going to start at the bottom of the table. Ooh. So... We're going to do the right bottom out. five teams and yes. just kind of knock them back and forth Let's and work it. our way up. for This, This again, for you listeners, is going to be predictions after match week 18. So that's going into the next international break in January. Right. Rough, roughly halfway. Yeah, roughly halfway. So, um, yeah, Rodrigo, do you want to give us your bottom five? Please. Last place, working your way up. Absolutely. So I think uh, my – so last place, Fulham. Uh, coming in and second to last, West Brom. Uh, then we move up to Newcastle, Southampton, and then Leeds. Um, that's huh. that's how I see it breaking down for the bottom five. Um, I my, I guess I'll put my comment. I feel I feel fairly confident about Fulham getting relegated already. Um, I also feel I think somewhat confident about that for West Brom. When I look at the the next three. I kind of wonder how they end up here, um, and there's definitely some favoritism going on, as we'll find out later. Uh, I just couldn't just want to imagine a world where my blades were eking it out in the bottom five, but <laughs> they may have belonged down here. Um, the other thing is I feel like I might be shorting leads a little bit here, too. Um, they've definitely, in the last few weeks, outperformed, I think, expectations pretty heavily, but uh, I do think that there is something about getting a little bit more information on how they play and seeing how they play here that's going to start to undermine their success in the long run. Um, I think that just just having more exposure to them and, and playing with them is going gonna, is gonna to be a bit of a challenge. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it more challenging for them. They'll have less of that opportunity for surprise. Um, I, I think that's a, a part of why I feel that way. Uh, I also just think that some of their vulnerabilities in, in defending, especially in, def- in, in transition through defending, might be might be an issue, but uh, I think as we'll kind of talk a little bit to later, I think a lot of this depends on how teams end up deciding to play and also how their opponents decide to play. So we'll see that evolution. But that's that's my bottom five. How about you, Duffy? What are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I put Fulham in dead last as well, and then working my way up in nineteenth, I had Burnley. In eighteenth, West Brom. In seventeenth, I had your Blades. Sad face emoji. And then in 16th place, I had Crystal Palace. And I know I've been pretty hot and pretty high on them. Um, but I think something you said, I think it was last week, about how Crystal Palace really rely on Zaha to be their creator and goal scorer. And 
when it's not clicking with him and when he's not getting service, then they really struggle. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with you with, with West Brom and Fulham. It really seems like it's hard to see where the points are going to come from. And Burnley, like I've said about them in the past, just there's been a, a lack of new players coming in, fresh blood, getting the squad going. And I think they're going to continue to struggle. Um, I'm going to keep going up the table and then I'll flip it back to you. So I'm going to do teams 15 through 11 in 15th. I have Brighton in 14th, Newcastle 13th wolves, 12th Southampton. And in 11th, I have West Ham. I think Mm. this is probably the part that I felt the, the most unsure about looking at the fixtures ahead for these teams and thinking about how they're performing the one thing that's kind of consistent about all of these teams is that they've added some small pieces to them. Um, I think all five of them have like one new player who I feel pretty excited about them being on that team and being in that space. That being said, um, I think that these are the kind of teams that can beat up on the bottom five, but are probably going to struggle to get results against the top 10. And then it's going to be kind of like a shoving match in between them for placement in the zone. That's kind of the way I was thinking about it. Um, There's some teams I'm excited to watch and I've been high on. I love Brighton. I'm really getting into Southampton. And West Ham, I'm addicted to Mikel Antonio. I'm in love with that guy. So, yeah. What about you for 15 through 11? Yeah, absolutely. So, my next – so, 15, I have West Ham, followed by Sheffield, then Burnley, then Brighton, and then Wolves. Um, I definitely hear what you're saying about these added pieces. Uh, just even one or two games, just even just one game with the new pieces on some of these teams, I think would be enough for me to feel a little more confident about where I see them going. Even if, yeah. even if it isn't an amazing performance, just to see, okay, this is these are the kind of challenges we're going to be facing. Whether that's you know finding chemistry with the other players or finding the role fit or you know moving somebody else around to give you the you know I think that would really be helpful but given that we don't have that and I'm kind of looking at this as it was before the transfers were made that's definitely a part of how I thought of it um I definitely gave through Sheffield a bone here I don't know how they're gonna make the difference here uh to get because I started to ask myself how who are they gonna have to beat to to move up and who they're gonna have to perform better than and it's definitely tight so I feel like I'm definitely throwing them a bone um I, I will, I, I put wolves here and they're not, I guess they're not, I ended up putting them in what that would have been. So that was the top of the, so 50, 40, and 30, 11th, 12, I think. 11th. Yeah. I was going to say 10th, but I knew that wasn't right. Um, I put them in 11th. I, I have this, I don't know why, but I have this strong feeling that they're not going to do very well this year. Um, yeah, me too. I, I well, just watching them play and the style of play that they've been choosing, which seemed a little bit more possession heavy, for example, in that last game, I just don't think it works as well for them or, or it maybe makes the most of some of the players that did really well last year. I thought about Triori a lot from our last one. I really think Triori is like a unique player that adds a lot in his strength and just like, honestly, even just the woman with his ability to intimidate, you know, another the other yeah. the opposing team. I mean, he's just he is just such a strong, literally physically strong player with speed that, you know, that can also finish and just be a threat. And I think to make the most of him as a threat, they should be playing a little bit differently. I think they should be playing a little bit more of a counter and I think looking a little bit more to 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 coalesce around him and he's currently a sub. He's come off the bench. So that that was definitely part of it. I think that let me there. Although I, a part of me had them lower earlier um, and had and ended up kind of moving them up. Um, I think off of just the bias from last year. Uh, Brighton also. I wanted to put Brighton higher in this list. I just I don't know. There's something inside me that just felt like they're scrappy and they might be able to get it. Uh, you know, get get the result every now and then. But I just don't know if they're going to be consistent enough to really take down some of these bigger teams, especially just the depth. When I look at some of the teams that get up at the top, I just think about just the depth of quality, you know, and like how that over time, especially might, you know, an injury here and there, and they could really, I think, be in a tough place. So I want to put them higher, but so one team I don't know that much about, I feel like is Burnley. Like I've watched them, but I've always kind of had eyes for the team that they're playing and haven't paid as much of attention. So I don't know how they ended up where they are, but uh, you know what I mean? When you went in doubt, put Burnley Statistics. in models research the research team working overnight that's how that's how we do it that's how we do it Um, short yep and so i have burnley in the lucky number 13 
So I guess we'll move on up then, right? You want to continue on up? All right. So above that, uh, so the next 10 to 6 here. In 10th, I have Manchester United. Ninth, mm. Aston Villa. Eighth, Crystal Palace. Seventh, Arsenal. And sixth, Everton. So, uh, my comments there, I almost wanted to put Manchester United lower. Um, The models told me otherwise, so I listened. That's the only reason. Um, I I really think they're going to struggle, and I don't know where their solution is going to come from. I'll put it this way. I think that their manager's a problem. I know that you sent me some clips uh, from what's his name? What's that guy's name? Does the analysis for Manchester United? Oh, Mark Goldbridge. Yeah, shout Mark, out Goldbridge. Mark Goldbridge. I, yeah, and he has, a, I think, some strong points in some of the stuff he's been talking about in terms of leadership above the level of of, of, of the coach and how that might be a problem. And if that's the case, then I feel even strong more strongly about what I'm what I'm projecting here. But. Even even that aside, I think that the coach is a problem. I don't think that Ole has. I I just don't I don't feel and I right this is all off this is all off the the fire in my gut here. I just don't feel like he has a vision for what the team is supposed to do. Yep. And if he does, I don't think the team respects him or gives him enough space or whatever to actually make that a reality. And I think it's probably both. I think I think there's a lack of respect. I think there's also a lack of vision. So without that, we can see that even with some players that on paper or in name should be really excelling, I, I, do, I think they really are struggling without that structure. And I think that they're going to do pretty poorly. Um, you know, transfer window would have been a pretty, I think, poor way to da- handle that issue. But uh, they didn't really make that a solution either or a possible solution. So putting them there, uh, yeah, at a, a solid 10 um, Aston Villa, honestly, they got ranked so high based off that last game. Complete recency bias. But I will say this: that really worked for them. And, and what they did took skill. The run, like we said in the last, like in our last in the last pod, like it's they scored a lot of goals that were off of deflections that maybe really shouldn't have been goals. But at the same time, there were opportunities that they missed, and the way that they yeah. were created was coordinated well. It took great great skill and 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 coordination to make this happen if they can do that against a team that comes with a high line i think they're going to be extremely successful i love the way they played barkley in the middle um dude uh grealish is is a real deal guy i have some weird asterisk next to his name like maybe he's not the real deal but like seems like the real deal to me you know uh, so I, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna perform well. Maybe they should even be higher on this list. But like I said, recency bias. I had to let the models tell me otherwise. Um, Crystal Palace. Now I know you had Crystal Palace. You kind of mentioned their kind of one trick wonder status. I do feel the same similarly about them. Um, but I just have this stronger confidence that they can play pretty solid defense. Um, they know who they are. They're a team with a real like sense of themselves i think i yeah i agree and i don't like i'll put it this way when i think about crystal palace playing manchester united i'm like that's that's an even game you know that's an even game and i don't know that anybody else down here below that on my list at least i feel like could would do an excellent job of defending against zaha or their way the other style of play so i i I put them kind of high um arsenal Arsenal is all about party for me. It's all about the party factor, 110%. I'm here to both uh, break your heart and and <laughs> put a hot take because Thomas Party just feels like a s- super sweet dude, and I like that. I like that addition to the Arsenal squad. I me too. Love def- it. Love it. Love it. I'm optimistic. Definitely am optimistic here, but I I think that he's the kind of guy that could really sew up a lot of problems. It's going to be a lot of pressure. It's like putting the weight of a very large building on a single pillar. I mean, it's not the only one, but it's like he's playing a very important role in this prediction. But if there's anybody I feel like they could do that for them, it's him. I think his play in the midfield could be, like, honestly, extremely impactful both on defense and offense. He could be a a guy in transition between the two. 
Like I think they could really do a lot. I also think if you have a player who plays really good defense in the midfield, it sews up problems in the defense. It just does. Like it was, sometimes we focus on how bad defenses are. I think we'll get to this maybe a little, or I'll try to get to this a little later. I do think that if you have a better midfield, you can you can find ways to make your defense not look so bad. Um, so not to say that they're terrible or anything on defense, but I do think that that will really help in the transition play as well. Duffy, I've just spoken on your on your boys. What, where, where are you at I, with this five? Where are your thoughts on Arsenal? Tell me. I think actually pretty similar spot. So I, I guess my this is now my 10 through 6. Um, in 10th place, I had Aston Villa. Uh, and then in ninth, Leeds. In 8th, I had Manchester United. 7th, Leicester. And 6th, I have Arsenal. Blasphemy. This is I, blasphemous. I, I think this is... Uh, a couple of thoughts, I guess. Maybe I'll work my way down. So with Ooh. Arsenal, I'm really excited about Partey. Party. I don't know how to say his name. I'm going to mispronounce it until the he's, cows come home. He's the he, man. I, I watched Ghana play Qatar the other day in a game uh, during this break, literally just to watch him a little bit more. And it was interesting. I've seen him a little bit for Atletico Madrid. But for Ghana, he was playing a little higher up. Um, then like he was kind of in the six role, but he's playing a, like with a little bit more flexibility, almost like an eight. And, uh, he got two really nice assists and one of them was just like pinging a ball over the top to the right wing. And, and it's like the ball that Chaka can never, ever, ever hit. And you're just replacing Chaka's service with this. And I, I, I think he's going to add some real defensive structure to that midfield, but he's also going to add some creativity that Chaka and Ceballos just like in their current roles aren't able to to do. Now that I've said this, he's gonna like get her <laughs> in the first game, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm excited about him. Um, Lester, I yes. feel like Le- I, I just feel like Lester is a Jamie Vardy injury away from really struggling, and um, or or another player like a Harvey Barnes or like. Um, like maybe even moving into the back to Soyuncu, their center back. Like, I, I, I think that this team is a little bit fragile and doesn't really necessarily have the depth or the adaptability of some of the other teams higher up on the table. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be yeah. something that I'm concerned about with them. Yeah, United, like you went in, we went real in last week. So I, I don't want to <laughs> hit them too hard. I, I do feel like they're going to start to get their feet under them. Another podcast said this and I, I'm sorry I'm not giving credit because I can't remember who it was but they just said like picture in your mind any big six club and like what's their signature goal right now like what's a signature Liverpool goal it's like a cross in from the center backs and then like Mane with an amazing touch or like Sala with a great finish mm-hmm. like if you think about like Chelsea like you can totally imagine like that the Chelsea goal is going to be like Pulisic blazing in like there's a ton for Chelsea that I can picture in my head yeah. When I think about Man United, though, I'm like, mm. it's a penalty. Like that's what I think about, and I like they're drying up, and the results are 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 falling apart. So, um, I didn't have them as low as you, but I I, I do think that there's going to be some concerns, and I think they're going to buy again in the winter because because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had Leeds. I just I can't really crack Leeds. I don't really know what to think about them. The yeah. thing with Bielsa in the past is that he's gotten figured out. Like, and I think you were alluding to this, and you had them pretty low for that reason. And I agree with you. Like, I think teams are going to figure out how to tactically beat them, and then there just isn't the quality in that squad to to be able to overcome like a more talented team. Like, mm-hmm. I think like they're they're going to go up against like Chelsea, and Chelsea's just going to be more tactically prepared. There's more film on this team. And they're going to know how to crack that code. Like Chelsea, just as an example, Aston Villa, I had in in 10th place. I really think having a very good keeper can really make your team outperform. Like we saw this with Burnley uh, when they had Nick Pope and he was really hot. We've also, we saw this with Sheffield last year when Sheffield had Dean Henderson on loan and and they're really hot. And I think he covered over some mistakes um, and some goals that could really swing points at really critical moments. And mm. I think Emmy Martinez will do that for Aston Villa. And Love that take. Mm-hmm. I, you know, they're, they're, 
there's some recency bias probably in that because last year Aston Villa was they were like going to get relegated up until like the last week. It was decided on deadline day for them. Um, but I do think that they've re-upped their squad and, and are really starting to build a more cohesive squad. So um, I, li- I like what they're about and I like what I've seen from them. They're undefeated. Like it, I know it's only three games, but w- what, what more can you want from a team? And they just beat the defending champs. I'm going to knock out my top five. Um, kind of gross that I'm putting Tottenham above Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> I really feel like feel some type of way. Duffy just it. went white as a sheet to Sir anybody who wasn't able to see, have the pleasure of viewing as me. I literally, I watched the, the spirit drain, drain from him. Uh. This is three podcasts in a row where I'm like kind of hot on Tottenham. And I feel like <laughs> I need to like soak my tongue in bleach to get the bad like taste out of my mouth. Yes. They're, they're good. <sighs> and I'm going to talk more about Harry Kane later on. We're going to talk a little more about their tactics later on. I'm into what Spurs are about right now. Um, anyway, keep him going up. So Spurs in fifth. In fourth place, I have Everton. In third place, I have Manchester City. In second place, I have Chelsea. And in first place, I have Liverpool. Um, wow. I, uh, going back to Spurs, they played pretty well. They had kind of a weird start. Regulon has looked like a huge upgrade on the left. Serge Aurier is like back, I guess. He was excellent. And Gareth Bale is like waiting in the wings mm-hmm. and is training now and is looking healthy. Like you can't tell me that Gareth Bale is not going to be like a difference maker in three or four games in this stretch. Like there are going to be games where he just – he's the goal. He's, you know, it's like crazy to me. Yes. To, to think we haven't even seen him and, and Tottenham is looking good. Gross. Uh, in fourth place, Everton. They're, they're such a solid squad, and I, I, I really like what they're about. I, I have some – they were probably the team that I was the least sure about in the top six. It wouldn't surprise me if I woke up and it's early January 2021 and Everton is in eighth place. Like I wouldn't really be shocked if that was the case. But on their recent run of form and the way that they're playing under Ancelotti and the transfer moves that they've made, I have to give them the respect. And I, I think that they deserve to be in a top four spot. Um, then in Man City, I think, has had a rocky start. But I've been banging the drum that Man City just hasn't had a real striker. And that's been the difference maker for them. And they're going to get their pieces back. And, and like Man City's a team that's going to struggle in weird big games. And it will get a lot of headlines. And then they're going to really beat up on the little teams. And you do that consistently enough, like, you can get pretty high in the table. Um, Chelsea, I really love the direction that I feel like Chelsea is headed in. They've got pieces coming in, pieces coming back. They looked really strong. That's just such a, such a powerful team. I think they're another team that's just going to crush weak squads. I know that West, Ham, West Brom game was a blip. But I really think that we're going to see a lot of dominance against the lower table. And, and they'll pull out some results in some of the big games. Mm-hmm. And then Liverpool. I like looked through the fixture list for Liverpool. And I was like, I legitimately looking at this list cannot pick it. Look at a single game and be like, in good faith, I can say Liverpool is probably going to lose that game. And I think that they've had some COVID stuff. They've had some injuries. It's, it, it is a little weird. Allison not coming back is concerning to me. Like, I think he's looking to be out for maybe six weeks. So Edrian, like, ugh, that's a little, little scary, but I, I, I think, yeah, there's no reason to really hardcore doubt Liverpool. That Aston Villa game was weird, but I think we talked a lot about why the game was weird. So I feel good about having them in the top spot. Whoo! Well, I kind of skipped over Everton, even though I had them in sixth when I talked to my last group. I, I, I'll just say a couple words about them before I give the five. I uh, do really do. I do. I do also feel pretty good about Everton. I wouldn't be. I'd be a little surprised if they broke into the top five, but it wouldn't. It's not really outside of my imagination. Um, I. I. I just kind of love what they have up on the attack. Um, they. With Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, Hamas. Yeah. It's spicy. That's a spicy top. This is like it's really is it's very spicy. I, I was I was feeling pretty good about Decore in in the last 
in the last game as well. Um, I feel like Pickford is a little bit of a question mark. He's a little bit of a question mark. Um, Kepler-esque. Yeah, and overall, I do feel like they're a team that could get taken advantage of. I don't even know how to back that up with more than that. I just feel like they could they could be seduced into an, into a place they don't want to be. But I just I think they're strong. I think they're really strong this year. I like kind of on all angles. Kind of seem like they've connected on some on some good on some good tactical pieces, and they have some pretty good firepower. Could see them doing a lot of doing a lot of damage. So my top five though, in fifth I have Tottenham. Fourth, I have Chelsea. Chelsea. Third, uh, Manchester City. Second, Leicester. And at the top, Liverpool. Um, I think the biggest difference between your placement of Leicester and mine is all about that injury uh, situation. I just, I'm a gambling man when it comes to these kinds of things. And I just, I think they're going to be okay. And I, dude, big time. Barnes, Vardy, the Rainbow Connection, dude. I, I'm I'm big on Leicester. I also just feel like they do they can play really well as a team, and they're and what I mean by play well as a team is I feel like they they can be dangerous in a lot of different settings and scenarios. Um, I think they adapt fairly well to the situation that they're playing in. I mean, every game every team has their day, right? But uh, but I feel like they just have some really good options. Like they know how to make space from crosses wide. They know how to find space behind. Obviously, that's Vardy's like you know. That's his mo. Um, I feel really good about them, which is why I had them at second. I I feel like they're they're a very strong team. City, City I don't know. I put the I put City in third. I feel like almost almost out of respect for Pep or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that team is. I think the team has everything they need to be extremely successful. Why they're not being successful right now is kind of a shocker to me. In the sense of like, I do think there's things they should change. I think some of them are even kind of clear. I mean, I'm no expert, but here we are giving our best. <laughs> At the same time, I don't understand why, if they're obvious to me, they wouldn't be more obvious to somebody like Pep and and, and the team at large. Um, I just think that they need to they need to just simplify things, play. Focus on building a game that gets your best players the ball all the time. Just do that. You got you have so much passing ability. You have so much skill there. Just get it them the ball and and then be dangerous from wherever they're the you know, I just don't think it's that complicated. But anyways, I put them in third. Chelsea. Chelsea, I almost feel like I when you put them in second, I felt good about that. I'm like, oh, maybe I should have put them higher. Um I have been saying this for a while. I really think that Ziyech, Ziyech, uh, I think Ziyech is going to be doing really great things for Chelsea when he gets on the field. I really want him to get a lot of minutes. Hopefully he'll be really ready to go healthy soon, if not like this coming weekend. But um, yeah, I think I think he's just going to be a great value add. I also feel like we've been doubting Timo Werner, or maybe you've been putting some doubtful words on his name. Dude... <laughs> That dude, that dude's got it. I'm like not really that concerned about his ability to perform. I think he's just taking some ramp up time. I think it's mostly in his head, honestly. I think he's just, I almost feel like he's putting the pressure on himself um, in a way that's that's not really helpful. I don't know. I, I I'm the you know now I'm the now I'm the team psychologist, but I really think he can he can add a lot more that we just haven't quite gotten to yet. And then finally, Liverpool number one. I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you say that about their fixtures because given the scenario we're actually trying to predict, I think that that's a very, very important piece of this that I didn't think about a whole lot. But um, it's not going to be it's not going to be any kind of cakewalk for them. That's for sure. I mean, especially with the with with the covid issue now, what, three players out with COVID, well, different times, but out with covid Injury to the keeper. I probably shouldn't be putting them this high, honestly. But I don't know, man. I think long. I think when I put them there, I was like, "Who do I think is going to win win the league?" And I was like, "I don't know. I think Liverpool could still win the league." Um, and even though we're talking about halfway, I definitely thought about it that way. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, 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 I think that I think they've got what it takes. Bottom line, Tia- got what it takes. Tia- they got the players. Tiago yeah. is back. Like. He yeah. will be back when when the league kicks back off, and we have barely seen him in a Liverpool shirt. Like this, it, it's it's going to be money. I, I I'm just I'm not I'm not stressing yeah. on them. And like I know that Aston Villa game was weird, like I said, but yeah, 
why why sound the alarm until we have like real reason to and mm-hmm. uh, i think one game is is not reason to panic for them absolutely yeah, but that's my that's my top. I, I think I think we have some. I was it was cool to see some of our agreements um, on some of the on some of the placements. I think some of the biggest ones that stand out to me, the leads. You put leads a lot higher than I did. I think you might be right about that, but we'll we'll see. Um, Lester, similar, but in reverse, put them a lot higher than you did. You're betting um, on Jamie Vardy. That's really historically am. a very good bet. <laughs> so I. When when you started talking about it, I was like, oh damn. Like that's <laughs> Yeah. Like I can definitely see Jamie Vardy winning the golden boot and Lester finishing very high. Yeah. Uh, uh please. I th- I think uh right now, listener, we are gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we are gonna do a little new segment for you all. Looking forward to it. Okay, welcome back. We're going to do a new segment. So uh, this morning I went to Starbucks. I got my pumpkin spice latte for the first time in my life. It was delicious. I was walking out, channeling huge Karen energy, and it made me think, you know what? Maybe being a Karen is not all that bad. Let me speak to your manager. So that's the name of the segment. Let me speak to your manager. And uh, we are going to speak directly to some of the biggest Premier League managers and tell them how they should be doing their job because as Karens channeling our big Karen energy, we know what's up, Rodrigo. We do. We do. I, I you know Excuse me, Karen. Excuse me, Karen. <laughs> I, I think I think I just a comment before we get right into this. Uh, what I, I, I love the idea of, you know what, let's just play, let's role play a Karen for a second. It feels almost liberating. I feel like this is cathartic. Maybe everybody needs to do this every once in a while. Consider, listener, if maybe you need to just give yourself a little Karen time uh, to make yourself feel better, especially should your favored team uh, be struggling, you know, uh, in, 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 as we get to halfway through the, uh, the season. Um, but let's kick it right off. Team number one, Liverpool. So, I'll start here. The biggest thing I feel like Liverpool needs to understand, and it was a huge, it's a huge impact from us last game, is that we shouldn't underestimate any teams in the table, or sorry, in, in, in the Premier League this year. There's just no reason for it. I think every game they should start by playing out of the back, um, but playing out of the back and really building slowly as they go go to the attack. And and when they play defense, I think they should not play a high line. I think they should play a pretty reasonable line around the 18. And I think that's how they should start every game. I think they should start every game with a defensive block that's not super low. It's not in your own 18, but it's a little lower. And build off of that as the game progresses. Essentially give your team an opportunity to see what is the other team trying to do, what is working well for them today, and to build off of that. Um, I know that that can be a difficult thing to change from when you tend to play a press a lot, but I actually think it's not that difficult if it comes from the top down. Um, So Klopp, talk to your boys. Tell them first half, we want to build our rhythm, especially people are sick. They're coming back out of illness. Got some new players in, tra- you know, in, in, the, in the transition period. Let's start off slow. Let's build it. Let's get, under, you know, get, our, get our legs sturdy underneath us before we build out. Other than that, I actually think, the, obviously, the style of play, the formation, the 4-3-3, I think is totally fine. I think it works very well for them. I don't see any reason to break this. Um, I, I think that they just need to give themselves a little bit more ramp-up time. That's my that's my biggest take on them, honestly. Outside of hopefully getting back their players and having them healthy. Karen Rodrigo just told Jurgen Klopp, "Hey, bro, you just need to chill." That's what he just said. <laughs> it's, it's it's actually my only note for the whole section. So chill, yeah, just I, chill. I like that, Jurgen Klopp. Here's what I would tell you to do um, at your job. Clearly, I'm qualified to give you this feedback, <laughs> Karen Duffy here. Um, I actually think differently. I say don't play out of the back when Allison is injured. Mm. I think Adrian is not as comfortable doing that. Um, he has 10 errors leading directly to a goal where Allison only has four. And I think that when he's not comfortable, you get into some awkward passing situations and he ends up booting it long anyway. So mm. just like 
skip that step and have him boot it long to start because <laughs> you you remove a lot of the like insecurity and and the mistakes and we saw that in the last game and then the other thing I was going to say is just be flexible with the high line I think if you are sticking to that as a script then teams are going to be able to crack it like Essen Villa did and I I think you were saying to sit back on the 18 to start out yeah and I'm thinking like yeah maybe it's maybe it's like okay we can defend a little bit deeper and that's fine we have the personnel to do that as well like this squad 100%. has the personnel to kind of do both and I think Klopp needs to be like show a little bit more flexibility in some of the game planning so similar place I'm ending up at okay our next team we're going to look at is Chelsea Frank Lampard let me tell you what you're doing wrong guy um I actually want to start with what you're doing right I like the last game that they lined up in a 4-2-3-1 um I think that's the right formation for them to have I think Ziyech coming in um, I, I'm assuming he's going to replace Hudson Adoy, and I think that will be a nice upgrade to distribute a little bit more. Don't be afraid to play a little Olivier Giroud to get some of those late game headers. I think that Giroud is still a piece to be integrated in and to show Tammy Abraham that there's some good competition for his spot. Also, Mason Mount playing in the eight role instead of his playing in a winger has me intrigued. I think England is deploying him more that way, and I'm kind of interested to see Chelsea do that as well. Frank Lampard is addicted to Mason Mount, to the point that I'm starting to think that Frank Lampard might be a free Mason, like there's something going on there, <laughs> connecting the circles, getting serial killer mode again. Love that. see it. Um, he is going to play Mason Mount basically over anyone in the world, so maybe try deploying him a little bit as like an eight. Shift it up a little bit. Free up some room for some of the other guys up top. What about yeah. you? What were you uh, thinking for, for uh, Frank? Well, uh, Karen mode uh, on blast. Ziek, you got to start him. As soon as he's fresh, throw him in the game, play him 90 minutes. Don't hold back. I think that he should be coming in on the right, like you said, for Hudson Odoi. I think, though, that Kai Havertz should be playing out wider. I don't think he should play him in the center of the field. Um, I think I think the reason is not because he can't play in the middle of the field, but when you play wide or when you're put in a, in a wider position, you're usually in positions to receive the ball at your feet looking to goal, and you don't have to make as many turns. You also have less traffic. You have to you have, you just, it's, it's less, it's less um, of a burden on, the, on your mind to be playing out wider. Um, I think that Kai Havertz could really benefit from having that that right now. And his tendency might be to drift inside. That's totally great. I love it. Have him drift inside and have the central player, whoever's there, drift outside into more of like a wing position. That's a great transition, a great kind of system to be employing. I think that would really benefit Kai. I think he would he would do well to have more space to work with. I also would rather put Mr. Werner himself up at the tippy top of that 4 2 3 one he is very good at getting that space in behind. I think he would play that point position very well. Um, I think he even did in, in some of the early games that where he played a higher ro- a central role. I think he actually played that position extremely well. Didn't quite connect. Some of the passes were a little late or he was a little early. Some offsides calls, things and things, you know, didn't always add up to a goal. But I really think that's his more natural position um, because that's the thing I think he does better than anybody else on this team. He is great positional awareness and timing and breaking that run i want him to sit as high as possible um especially if they end up playing a bigger team that ends up playing a higher line i don't want him on the wings with any kind of defensive responsibility i want his mind fully focused on that task um and then i think if you wanted to play mount and you wanted to play more of an eight role you put him in that central role and the nice thing about that role is he can play it in several different ways he can play as a little bit of a playmaker through ball guy if it's that's how he's feeling that day he can swap with kai havertz out wide uh in that transition i was just describing he become a little bit of a wing player when needed and kai havertz can kind of sink into the middle and, and help out with distribution um but no matter what i think your playmaker is going to be zig uh, on the right hand side um, I think giving him the ball, letting him cross into Timo Werner up top, 
um, or big switches over to Kai Havertz on the other side, maybe through balls for Mason Mount, kind of running underneath like a little shadow striker. I like this. I like this. I think it's the spicy way to play. Um, and that's pretty much all I, that's pretty much all I have for you is I, I think that's how you should play your top four. And I think that's going to be enough spice to, to take, to take the whole, to take the whole game. So I'm very excited about seeing them play. Keep it up, Frank, but heed these words. Next, let's hop over to Manchester City. Ah, Pep, thank you for giving me this moment to talk to you, uh, but I'm going to need you to sit down for this one. Uh, Listen, guy, Kevin De Bruyne, have you heard of him? He, He needs to have the ball all the time. He needs to have the ball all the time. If you're going to try to give him the ball all the time, you got to play him a little deeper. Now, you played this 4-3-3 last time. You had him kind of drifting in centrally a lot. I don't have a huge issue with that. But honestly, I think he needs a little bit of a makeover all, all, kind of all over the place. I think that maybe a better situation for you, instead of a 4-3-3, would actually be more of like a 4-2-3-1. Um, or another idea that I kind of like is to play like a... How do I say this? A 4-3-3. Let's, let's do that. You know what? You like the 4-3-3? Let's keep it. Move Kevin De Bruyne into the center of that 4-3-3. Put hard-working holding mids on either side of him that are responsible, kind of like, on, like, kind of like Liverpool does, for winning the ball and playing, and playing rock-hard defense. And let him freely roam from what would be like a sitting six to kind of like a, a roaming ten. Like, put him in that central channel and let him pick where he plays. If he sees a good press coming on, he steps up. If he thinks he should sit farther back. But everything is oriented around him getting the ball in a central channel and sending the balls wide. But strolling out on the left, hopefully you get your Aguero back that, is, that Duffy seems to believe is the key to all of your problems. Uh, <laughs> and and let the guy send the fucking ball. The the thing I want to see from I, I want you to uh, one metric. Go to your stats team, Pep, and say there's one metric that I'm looking for is how many balls Kevin De Bruyne sends every game. And I want you to double whatever he's currently doing until you double hit it. double. Until you hit double, find a way to get him the ball more in space. I want you to be focusing on attacking the ball with these. I mean, look at the free kicks he's taking. I want you to create those free kick, free kick situations in live play. I want you to give him the ball 30 yards outside of the fucking bo- or out of out from the from the goal line, and I want him to be swinging balls in there until they get so upset that they start stepping to him, and then he can play nice combination plays with everybody else and cut him up. That's what I want to see. Do that shit. You'll win games. Duffy, get in there. Go Talk off, to this queen. manager. Talk to Go this manager. Off, <laughs> I like that. I, yes. It, Listener, you missed it, but there was serious finger wagging. There was like Rodrigo's holding up his phone. My bag fell off my shoulder. Don't make me do that again, Pep. He was putting me on Facebook Live. He's like, "Yeah, I'm recording. Yeah, I'm recording." <laughs> um, I I don't have a whole ton to add. I think my main thing with City is just play a striker. Like you're just playing three wingers up top. And they don't know how to play the role of striker. Riyad Mahrez is not a striker. He doesn't know how to play up there. And, like, yes, Gabriel Jesus is injured. Kunigoro is injured. But, like, player scrub, that guy, they have some backup dude. I think his name is, like, Delap or something like that. And he looks like KDB and Ozil had a love child together because he's got, like, the Ozil eyes and the weird KDB hair. <laughs> Put that weird lab creature up front. Like, do something different. I want to see a striker play for City. Last year, City with a striker, their expected goals was 2.5. This year, City has not played a real striker in that position um, to start a game, and their expected goals are 1.6. I know it's a small sample. I understand. N equals 3, blah, blah, blah. But that being said, like I, I really have seen that lacking, and I've seen it affect the way that they've played out on the wings. I know I've beat, beaten this drum a lot, but Jesus and Aguero are going to come back, and, and City's going to flip a switch. So, Pep... Play a striker. Um, all right, moving on to Everton. Carlo Ancelotti. Woo! Want to have a couple of words with you, my friend. Woo! And your massive, massive head. That dude has a huge <laughs> head. If you haven't looked it up, listener, check out what Carlo Ancelotti looks like in FIFA 21. It's hilarious. It's my new it's, screensaver right now. I'm just going to go get it. <laughs> 
It's hilarious. Check it out. Uh, I don't actually have a whole ton to criticize Carlo Ancelotti about. I really mm. love the way that Everton has been playing. One thing that I have noticed a little bit is Richarlison is doing a lot of defensive work. And I think that actually maybe has contributed to his injuries. He is top 10 in the league for tackles this season. He's got 10 tackles. You wouldn't normally expect to see your number nine having to do a lot of that, like in that number nine kind of role. And I and I actually think Richarlison has been a little bit more, because he's being tasked with coming back to do some of that defending, then he gets a little more limited going up front. And he's such a good weapon going up front. So I would like to see Ancelotti tell Decore and Allen, or if it's Tom Davies playing in there, you know, you guys got to be the ones who are really soaking up the defensive work in the middle to make up for James and allow Richarlison to push forward and exert a little bit more pressure. Because, you know, Everton's scoring goals. They're playing really well. But their fixtures are going to get harder, and they're going to need goals from Richarlison. They're going to need his striking ability up top. And I, I, I want to see him be asked to play a little bit less that defense and be given the, the green light to be, yeah, going forward. What do you think about Everton? <laughs> You know, my big thing for Everton is come up with your rainy day plan. Um, I think the big the big guy that has been been doing it for them, Mr. Calvert Lewin, pretend you didn't have him. Thought experiment, okay? I was a sophisticated Karen. Thought experiment, you don't have him anymore. Something tragic happens. What do you do? What's plan B? Who are you gonna? Who? How are you gonna? How are you gonna? Kind of, and and I think part of the reason is because. I could see a situation in which, for whatever reason, that stops being as effective as he stops performing the same way that he has been. But also, with this 4-3-3, you're, you are playing a lot of firepower up top. There might be some situations where that's going to get cut right out. You know? You're know, you going to end up playing a game where, for whatever reason, they've shut down that, the distribution to that line or the buildup. How are you going to kind of help in a situation where, all right, we're getting beat up. We need to put in a more defensive player, but still find a way to counter with the attack. Play, start planning your rainy day. That's my big thing for Everton. Because I think they have everything they need, honestly, to have a really, really good season. But things change. Teams figure you out. People get hurt. People get sick. Come up with your rainy day plan. It also, it does rain a lot in England. And maybe Ancelotti doesn't know about that. So it rains a lot. Rainy day. Think about Connect it. Connect dots here. Think it's about it. It's a rainy it. day. It's a lot of rainy days to come. Um, our next team is Arsenal. Mm. Uh, Mikel Arteta. I just want to start off by saying live, love, laugh. I really hope that you are realizing the three L's. Live, love, laugh. That's really important to Karens like myself and to the inner Karen and Mikel. I also want to say, Mikel, I love you. Um, you're amazing. You've been amazing. And I will continue to back you and follow you to the ends of the earth. But if I'm going to give you a little bit of advice on that road, I just want to tell you, you need to start Pepe over Willian. Willian, I really tried to buy into him. I really tried to be a believer. He had a nice game against Fulham. He's just not a credible attacking threat on the right to score goals in the same way that Pepe is. Pepe's played a quarter of the minutes, and he already has one goal to Willian's zero from open play. And I think the thing with Arsenal is they're going to attack a lot on the left. Tierney, Saka, and Aubameyang play on the left. That's our strong side. But defenses are just selling out, and Aubameyang is getting so limited, and we've seen him the last few games be really limited in his ability to create, the touches he's getting, the opportunities for him. And that's because... Defenses are really selling out on the right. There's not a credible attacking threat for them from the other side. And so I think Pepe, he's got to be out there and he has to start. It's a confidence move for him too. It is necessary. Mikel Arteta, live, love, laugh. And and please, please, please start Pepe moving forward. Thoughts on ours? Well, just because I want to be upset, I'm going to tell you, I think that he should consider giving Party some help. I know that he's a good guy. He's going to be a great addition. Do not, do not just replace him in this 4-3-3 and think it's all going to work out. In fact, I would try to give him some help right away. Um, I would consider even playing something more like a 4-4-2. I know that's, that's very different. But the principles of attack that you've been using, a lot of the short, short, long, as I like to call it, quick one-two passes and looking for the long ball over the top, 
very quick combinations, looking for switches, you can play that very well with a 4-4-2. And I think that giving Party some help in the middle is the kind of thing where I'm going to bolster him so he can do more, right? So he can take more chances. I can be a little bit more of a playmaker. That's kind of how I think uh, you could you could make this transition with this incoming player more effective. Give him some help rather than looking for him to take on a lot of responsibility. And then as it goes, obviously, make your changes. But I think that's a good place to start. Start him somewhere. Give him a little bit of support uh, and see how it goes. That, that's that that's that's my those are my thoughts for Arsenal. Um, that's a, that's such a prescient statement that you just made. Sorry, just to chime in, please. Mikel has really in in some of his press conferences recently, he's alluded to wanting to have more flexibility in his formation, and I think a lot of fans are interpreting that to mean four four two kind of incoming. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's very exciting for a lot of Arsenal fans. Like we we haven't really seen the team play. They've played five at the back sometimes, but that would be more like what they played under Wenger. And, and I, I think that feels like, yeah, it feels very exciting and totally in line with what you're saying. Sorry. Good. Well, I'm glad us Karens agree. Uh, taking us to our next team, uh, Lester. <sighs> Lester. I don't even want it. Honestly, I just want to talk to the manager so I could see you again. Uh, I love the way you're playing. I think that Harvey Barnes might be playing a little high sometimes. I don't love playing him in the actual attacking line. I like him to come out of the back a little bit, um, almost more like a like a, like a left mid rather than like a, a left kind of, what I don't know what you call that. I mean, a winger, I guess, is what I like him to play, but not in the top three, not like a left forward. Um, I think having a little deeper so that he can play those, he can get those balls in deeper places and play them through to Vardy. That's, that's the connection that, that's like the, I want to be a part of that. I want to create a love triangle between me, Harvey Barnes, and, and Jamie Vardy, and I want, I want the two of them to en- end up winning out. Um, I, I, I really feel good about the way you're doing everything. I don't have too much else to say about that. Um, I, I like the idea of how we're attacking in whatever the teams are going to give us. If that's how you're thinking about the way you've been doing this, I love it. Take what the teams give you. If the teams are give are put, want to play possession, fuck it. We won't fight for possession. We'll sit back, win the ball, and counter the shit out of them. They're giving us space. We'll take it. We'll cross balls from wide. Have them try to step up. We'll meet the ball on the six. I don't. Doesn't even matter what they give you. Take. It. I think we have the flexibility here to make it happen. Just play. Play what you see, as I like to say to my boys. Play what you see, um, Duffy. I think the only thing that I would say to Brandon Rogers is do not run this team into the ground. Do not <laughs> play these players to the point where they're all so burnt out in the second half of the season that Lester just fades away. You always do that. You always are the team that people hop on and get really excited about, and then people get hurt. I also I, I think the the one like technical note that I had is really try to think a little bit more about the right and the right side of the field and the attack and the interplay you have with Castagne. He's such an exciting player and playing in that wingback role, I think is great for him. But I think him and Tielemans, like they just need to have a little bit more work and training to get some of the interplay between them. Cause that really excites me. And I feel like the, the attack hasn't been built enough with him and I'm it's cause he's new. So I, I, I'm not totally blaming Brendan for this, but really Brendan, in training sessions, work on developing that attack with him because at Atalanta, he was such a good player going forward, and I think you want to want to build and focus that energy upon him. Um, moving on to our next team, Tottenham. Maybe the only other Karen that we have for a coach. Jose Mourinho has huge <laughs> Karen energy. Big time. Huge. Big, big time. Yeah. Um, keeping up with Jose my favorite reality TV show that I love to mention. Jose Mourinho, it pains me to say this, but keep doing what you guys are doing because it's working really well. Harry Kane as a false nine is sensational. You know who has the most assists in the Premier League? Tell me. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. He has six assists. That's more, three more than anyone else. And yes, most of this is coming from that trash United game. But still, like, Harry Kane has the most assists. You might think that the way Jose is playing Harry Kane is limiting his attacking ability going forward. Wrong. 
Harry Kane has the most shots of any player in the Premier League this year as well. Woo. Harry Kane right now has 2.77 key passes per 90. He is connecting at a rate that's like on par with peak Ozil when he was really rocking. It is an abomination to my ears to hear these words coming out of my mouth. But Jose Mourinho, keep Tottenham ticking, keep Harry Kane in that false nine. This team is just is groovy. It's groovy. The one little thing that I that I kind of want to see a little bit is I want to see Deli Ali get some more minutes. Mainly because I feel bad for him, and I think he's a talented player. But Jose, you know, live, love, laugh, look in your heart, find some time for a little Deli, give him a chance. Thoughts on Spurs? Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's hard for me to have thoughts on Spurs because I just feel like I didn't watch them enough. And the game that I was expecting to give them a lot of my attention was this game that just went was a dumpster fire for Manchester United and I ended up looking at them which I didn't even want to do um for for most of it and so I feel like I've kind of been missing out I've just only seen shadows of it I agree with everything that you've said in the sense that I don't see anything they need to fix dramatically um I I like the way they're playing I like the way they're playing. I mean, that's from what I've seen. Yuck. They they make it happen. But uh, yuck. But I'm I'm I honestly I just want to see I want to see them have more effective like performances like the one they had so that so that our our good friend Mourinho can continue to just drill the press about how it wouldn't it be nice if we had a more attacking coach. I just love that line from him. I hope he gets to say that many <laughs> more times moving forward. Um, what a troll. Yeah, Troll City. All right, and finally, um, and certainly least, uh, United. Um, Ole, <laughs> have you considered other career options? Uh, maybe you could run a really good landscaping business. Just, you know, the equipment comes back, equipment goes out, people make, you know, it's, it's easy, something simple, something administrative, you know? Something you can show up with a smile and a tie that's a little too tight. Find other people that resonate with that, you know? I think, I think that might be a little better fit. I think you should leave, uh, but you should write a nice little note for whoever comes in after you uh, about what they should do. Um, and in that note, I think that you should tell them, hey, face it. United are in a really rough place. Let's not pretend uh, that we're not. We should play an extremely low block. That's what I absolutely think they should do. I think they should play extremely low block. I think they should counter like no one's ever countered before. They should sit extremely, extremely low. They should more or less keep the, the, the formation they have right now. I think having Rashford up there on that left-hand side, beautiful. I think Greenwood, Martial, I have no problems with that top. But in the back, you're going to sit real, real deep. And hot take I think you should put Paul Pogba as a central defender. I think you should put him right next to Harry Maguire. And if, if worst comes to worst and nothing changes, we have some great shots with both of them in it. Faces just absolutely just, you know, like depressed. Uh, and memes are going to fly. Worst comes to worst. Best, comes, best case scenario, Pogba is going get to get, get the ball. Uh, Hopefully, he's going to win some balls, but if not, he's going to get the ball in these deep-lying situations, and he can just send that motherfucker 45 yards, 60 yards. I don't care. Just ping that bitch out of the 18 deep and let Rashford and whoever else is fast enough to get to it fly down that line. That's that's literally – I want you to play the oldest school like – I'm, you know, under 10s, like I have to win this game because there's this hot mom here and that's all that matters is the scoreline kind of style. Put put Pogba in the back, let him ping some balls. More seriously, if you are going to try any build-up play, I think you should essentially completely overlook the midfield. Um, I think you should try to play the three midfielders a little tighter, more centrally, so they play provide a very strong defensive shape triangle in the middle. But do not look to them to distribute the ball. You're either distributing the ball from the hold from from your central defenders and these long driven balls, or you're doing very quick build up on the side. But before you even break halfway, you're sending a 45 yard cross diagonally to the other side, behind the defensive line. That's what you're doing. Do not let any team 
coax you into playing a possession game. Don't. Take the ball, get to the 18, shoot it, and then drop back. Let them all come. I think you should play an extremely low block, very short buildup, and then 45-yard balls over the top. Boom, 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 every single time. I think that's, I think that's the key to success. Um, I think every now and then you're going to see the midfield play a nice ball. I think you know Bruno maybe will do a little something saucy, but their main job should be defense. It should be putting a strong defensive trio in front of Pogba and Maguire, big old... Big, tall dudes, one with the head the size of a melon, and they just keep that ball out, occasionally get the ball wide, and then ping those balls forward. That's what I think. Uh, Write all that down, leave it on your desk, and then walk out. That's what I think. Yeah, Ole, sorry, buddy, but see ya. Uh, (laughs) Manchester United, from now on in my mind, is going to be known as Meme Chester United because the memes just keep flowing. Inject it. All right, Ole. Similar to Rodrigo, a little maybe see a message to the next manager coming in from you. I got a real hot take. I got a real hot take. Okay. I kind of want United to play five at the back. Mm. And I want Aaron Juan Basaka to be playing as one of the center backs, as one of the three fullbacks there, not in the wing back position. He is actually statistically an amazing one on one defender. He's Really, really strong in tackling. He's really strong in defending in that space. He would bring some defensive rigidity to Maguire and Lindelof, those two buffoons. But he's so limited going forward. And when you play him in that position and ask him to go forward, that's when he gets caught out. And that's when he struggles defensively. So play five at the back. Try him him in that right center back position. Um, I, I also think that when Manchester United is the most effective is when they're countering. Similar to what you were saying, I think that this team should be playing like five at the back and then they should be really focused on like how do we unleash Greenwood and Rashford on a counter and how do we get them going moving up front? Yes. I also, Greenwood had some good result, like some good stats last year. He's not a right winger though. He's really a forward and I would, Think it's, I think it's kind of better to be playing him and Martial a little more interchangeably in the front. So, like, almost having, like, two forwards, like, two people playing a little bit more centrally and Rashford coming in off the wing, it's almost like not having a right winger. I know it's kind of psycho to say that, but I, I just – I think Greenwood gets a little bit limited when he gets, gets playing there on the right. So, maybe it's him subbing in for Martial or, like, them alternating. I'm not sure, but – I think yes. that's a that's a piece that needs to be solved. Two things I want to add. Donnie Van de Beek needs to get some fucking minutes. Yeah. And not when you're losing whatever, 4-1. Not in the last two minutes of extra time, you know, injury time at the end of the game. Put Donnie Van de Beek in this game. Like, that dude is a game changer, and he's ready to eat people up. I don't care where you play him. Play him out wide on the wing. Play him centrally. It literally doesn't matter. Play that dude. He can do. He he he's coming from a system where he's been expected to be able to defend well, attack well, distribute well, and play combination play. Whatever role you give him, he can do it. I'm very very confident. Given especially the other replacements that are around him, like I mean, or that they could take his position. I'm very very confident. One, put him on the field wherever you say. Hey, you know what? We don't really have somebody to do that well. Put him in there to do it. I, I promise you, he can put in a good performance. And if you're gonna play defensively, like I was just saying. Dude, put in my man McTominay. That dude is a savage. I want him on the field in the holding three. I want him in there just fighting for balls. I want it to be hell. I want every team that plays Manchester United, if I was a Manchester United fan, I want them to be like, oh, fuck. We have to play Manchester United. We have to play this team where they're just going to beat us. They're just going to physically hit us hard. They're going to make our life hell. And even if we end up winning the game, we're going to not want to play them again. That's the kind of the kind of attitude I want to bring to every game. I want you to be big and bad, and I want you to make everyone else's life hell. And I think McTominay is the fucking man to do that. Um, find your distribution some other way. Make Papa play farther back. Give him some responsibility so he can't just float around all game pretending he doesn't have a fucking role and then, like, trot to the midfield line when the sixth goal gets scored. You know, like, get that guy a role, and if he sucks there, then we get the memes. Whatever. Like, come on. That's, those, are my, those are my thoughts, Ole. I, hopefully you were writing all that down. I'm sure you were, and I, 
He's, I can imagine him now in a cold sweat typing down every word that we just said so he can pass it on to the next manager. But anyways, uh, United, uh, thank you for uh, giving me my outlet this week. Listener, thank you so much for your time this week. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you for tuning in for this bonus episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to add one quick, more personal note, I guess, at the end. Um, changing gears in a very big way. I know we're coming off bantering Karens and saying a lot of silly stuff. I Before recording the podcast this week, I was talking with a former coworker about a student of mine and got some pretty shocking news about that student and it just felt like a very strong reminder in this moment, in our country, in the world right now. We really got to be looking out for each other and making sure that we're staying connected and showing lots of care and love to each other. So, listener, I hope that you are experiencing that in your life. And I hope that you reach out to the other people in your life and, you know, check in on folks. This is such an isolating and difficult time. Um, and it really means a lot when you get that call or that text out of the blue. So encourage you to do that and catch up with the ones that you love and stay close, stay safe. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to talking to you, Rodrigo, after an amazing slate of games this weekend. Me, me too. I am very much looking forward to our next episode. Thank you, yes, for listening to this one. I, I hope that it was at least entertaining, if not insightful. Uh, or, you know, if you get happen to catch a couple good insights, I'll be I'll be pretty happy about it. Um, and of course, Duffy, as as I I couldn't agree with you more. Difficult times, I think, for a lot of people right now. It's been a real pleasure for me personally to get back to coaching some of the youth teams, albeit in some kind of interesting uh, under some interesting parameters given COVID. But honestly, just being able to watch little U6 players uh, trying to kick the ball around and, uh, and and have fun has been inspirational. And I think, yeah, it reminds you of the goodness that pretty much all humans have if we can just, you know, see, see, you know, search for it. So hopefully everybody's lifting each other up out there. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.